1: Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Would you like to get what you want? I mean, isn't that what we all want, to get what we want? And if I told you today that all you would have to do to get what you want is to do A, B, and C, you'd probably do it, right? Well, that's what's been happening with all kinds of strategies from commercials for toothpaste to marriage proposals. People are always promising to give us what we want. There are two primary problems with this, though. The first one is that most of us don't even know what we really want. the second one is that there is no bargain with the universe which will absolutely guarantee that after we have done A, B, and C, we will definitely have what we want. These promises leave out the possibility of the wondrous mystery of life. There is, however, a trust we can offer to ourselves, a trust that defines the divine as desire, and we absolutely can own that trust. You want to know how to do that? Stay tuned for today's show. We're going to learn all about it. So, for let's, first, let's talk a little bit about this whole idea of getting what we want. Uh, you know, we've talked about, you've seen it I've written. I've seen it written. They've called a generation of us the "me generation," where it's "I want what I want when I want it, and uh, you're not going to stop me." And uh, so, we we have this whole concept simply because we have we have materialized or manifested a lot of material things in our Western culture. There's still many planet, many, many planet. Excuse me, many many countries in the on the planet that uh, really do uh, suffer a great deal of poverty, hunger, just abject poverty. And and there, it still happens here in America. In the state that I live in, we're considered to be one of the uh, one of the states that has the most poverty. So. There is poverty all around us, and yet there is also this great abundance all around us uh, where, where people have uh, a lot of money, a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of nice, big, huge, expensive cars, a lot of nice, big, huge, expensive houses, a lot of traveling, a lot of uh, uh, fame and fortune. And um, so the people that don't have those things want those things. Because they see other people have them and they think, well, hey, look at the life they've got. So how come I can't have that? And so back in the late 19, in the 1980s, late nineteen eighties, uh, a guy known as Jerry uh, Hicks read a book called Think and Grow Rich. And you can read this about about him and his biography. So this is not any big news flash that I'm telling you here. But that book stirred his imagination, and um, shortly after that, his wife began to have a channeling experience with some entities that she called Abraham. And they informed her that all people had to do to get what they wanted was to think about it and to uh, think positive about it and to remain positive about it. And so she wrote some books about that, and they took off. Why did they take off? Frankly, I believe they took off because... People want what they want when they want it. And if you, can, if you can sell books to people to tell them how to get what they want, well, then why wouldn't they buy them? If I told you to do A, B, and C, and then you would have what you wanted, you would probably do it. So if in that book it says, all you have to do is read this book and you can have what you want, then you'll buy that book and you'll read it. So uh, it made a lot of promises. And there's some argument between which came out first, the secret or the law of attraction books, but whichever it was, Um, the secret was not too far behind or not too far ahead of that, and the secret took off. And what the secret said is not only do we have to think positive thoughts, but we now have to feel positive feelings. And then people began to say, well, you know, that's not quite working either, so we need to start having vision boards, and we need to start putting our vision boards up there and imagining that we have everything that's on our vision board, having a meditation in the morning and in the evening, that absolutely allows us to not not just think, but feel like we have those things that we want. And then we will have what we want. Well, there are some people who will testify to the fact that they have absolutely gotten what they wanted that way. And they will swear that that methodology got them there. Um, I don't know whether it did or not. I can't answer that question. Only they can answer that question in truth. But... What I do know is there's a lot of people doing the same exact things that those people did, and they're not getting what they want. So what is that all about? Why is that true? Why is it that we can't always have what we want when they tell us what to do and we do what they tell us? Well, I think, you know, it's not that there's something wrong with us, nor is there something wrong with what we're doing. I think there might be something wrong with the whole setup which means that there might be something wrong with the law of attraction as we've come to understand it. So the law of attraction as we've come to understand it is basically this. If you think positively and you feel positively and you can imagine yourself having that thing that you want, then you'll get it. And so uh, we do that. We think about what we want. And I can tell you today that prior to February the 27th, when the Publishers Clearinghouse State... Uh, A lottery came out. There were lots of people thinking that they were going to win that money. And I don't know whether anybody wanted it or not. I didn't follow it. But uh, with the big lottery that was out recently with the 400 and something million dollars, there's a lot of people out there going, yes, that is my thing. I'm going to have that. And I have literally had people come into my office, sit down on my sofa to do therapy and tell me their primary problem is that they have tried to work the law of attraction and tried to work the law of attraction. They've got their vision board. They do the meditations. They, they work with their negative thinking. They try to think positive thoughts and feel positive feelings. They're really working this thing, and nothing's changing. And they want to know what's wrong with them. And my answer is there's nothing wrong with you, but perhaps there is something wrong with the law of attraction if you've, as you've come to understand it. So let's talk just a little bit about what we want. What we want is a methodology that will get us to a place that will bring us something. So if I tell you that I want to win the lottery, then I wouldn't I wouldn't tell them no. If they came knocking on my door, I wouldn't say no. I don't want that money. But if I say to you, I want the lottery, then I'm going to ask you, you might ask me some questions about what what will the lottery get me. Well, the lottery will mean that I'll get to pay off some debts. It'll mean that I'll get to see my children more often. It'll get mean that I get to, um, travel more, it'll mean that I get to maybe buy a house in another country, it'll mean that I get to do some things that I really want to do. Well okay, let's say you've done all that. Let's say that I've just done all that. What do I have now? Well I have peace of mind. I can get whatever I want whenever I want it. So I have peace of mind. Oh, okay. So that's what you really wanted. You wanted peace of mind. That's the deal. We get the methodology mixed up with the actual actual outcome. We think that having fame is going to get us something, and we need to know what that something is because that's the thing we really want. What is the thing that that having fame will get you? Will it get you self-love? Will it uh, allow you to feel loved by other people? Will it bring you money that makes you think that you can have everything you want and, and then therefore you have peace of mind so you don't have to worry about anything? I read an interesting thing the other day. Um, it said that, uh, that people are the only animals on earth who use money to survive. I thought that was an interesting thought because we've got money so tied into this whole thing about our psychological and spiritual economics. We believe that in order for us to be okay, we have to have a certain amount of money. And so, ultimately, what we're saying to ourselves is, until I get that money, I refuse to be okay. Because that money is going to get me what I want, and until I have what I want, I can't be okay. And that's kind of a really backwards way of thinking. What we really want is to be okay. <laughs> and we just need to find out how to be okay, with or without money. So, we've, we've got a third, man, a third party in the middle Of all of our bargains with the universe. So, I want to have, you know, I want to do a self publish a book, let's say. I want to self publish a book, but I don't have the money to do that. So, I say, I want you, universe, to give me the money to publish this book, self publish this book. Well, what is that going to mean? Is the universe just going to suddenly plop down $1,400 for us to get used or $2,000, whatever it is for us to use to, to self-publish a book? Or is it possible that um, there's a way to self-publish this book without spending that much money? There's certainly a lot of people out there these days that are doing eBooks that aren't paying that much money for it. So, you know, what is it that we want? Is it possible to get it without bargaining with the third party in the middle? Can I go directly to the universe and ask for what I want? What is self-publishing a book going to get me? That's what I really want. I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel accomplished. I want people to know about what I have to say. Or is it that I want people to know me and prop me up and tell me how great I am? That's what we need to know. And we need to do an honest soul-searching inventory to be able to come to terms with what it is that we really want. Most of us don't do that. We get the methodology mixed up with the desire. So the methodology is I want to publish that book or I want to win that lottery. But the actual goal is I want to feel good about myself or I want to feel accomplished or I want people to know about me or I want to be, you know, everyone to know me because I am I want to be feeling like I'm this great and wonderful human being. So how much of my ego is invested in that? And by ego, I want to be clear in this particular instance, I'm talking about that thing we call pride. How much of my pride is, is invested in whether or not we will, I will get published or I will win the lottery or I will get that CEO job I want or I will become a famous theater actor or movie actor or I will become a great singer or what is that? All you have to do to know how devastatingly um, illusory, this thing is this thing of wanting what we want when we want it. Is watch American Idol for a little while. Maybe it's on the voice too. I don't watch that one as much, but if you do, you might see the same thing there. That people come on to, to present themselves to these uh, singers, Harry Connick, J Lo, and, and to be able to say, you uh, You're going to tell me that I'm famous and I'm wonderful and I've got the best voice here and I'm the next American Idol. And so they come before the microphone and they say, I'm the next American Idol because I've got it. i got the it factor. I'm it. And then they sing. And you are going running for the pillows to put over your ears, going, this person hasn't even got a clue that they can't sing. What's been happening all along is somebody's been promoting this person's illusion. Somebody's been enabling this person to stay in an illusion that they have what it takes to be a singer. Why did they do that? Because they didn't want to break their hearts, probably. But the fact is they don't have what it takes to be a singer because they don't have the voice. They don't have the quality it takes. But they get crushed and angry and they walk out of the place saying they made a big mistake about me because I'm the next American Idol they just missed out on it. Their loss. A lot of pride, a lot of uh, hubris goes into that. So what's that? What's that all about? It's about I want what I want when I want it. And what is it this person wants? They don't have the talent. Some of them don't even have the interest. They're not really interested in singing. They just want to get on TV. Maybe they're a little 15 minutes of fame. Maybe because they're, they're ready to think that they're going to be the next best you know, singer that the whole world will know about. But what does that mean? Once they have that, if they could get that, what would it mean? What would it actually give them? Would they have believe that they were okay now, finally? I don't know. But it's pretty devastating to watch them walk away and see how angry and and hurt and demoralized they are. So we put our investment, our whole self, into a dream sometimes that has nothing to do with who we really are. It has nothing to do with what we truly want. You know, we're not going to get what we want by going through that path if we don't have the right talent. But we go after it because we think it's going to get us something something. And we need to know what that something is. We need to stop looking at the methodology like the lottery or winning the American Idol or the Voice Contest or the you know whatever contest. We and and or having that car or hitting that job or we need those are the methods. Those are all just methods for getting something else we want. And the something else we want needs to be examined clearly to see if it's just based in an old, empty, prideful thing, or If it's based in the need for self-esteem, which we can get in lots of ways, we can work on self-esteem in lots of ways, and it's usually not based in attaining some big achievement. Um, Like, you know, we don't get self-esteem by externalities. We don't get self-esteem when we get promoted. We don't get self-esteem when our teachers like what we do. We get applause then, then, and that's nice, but that's not self-esteem. Nor is it self-confidence. Again, we get the the external mixed up with the internal. We get things mixed up, confused in our heads, because nobody's teaching us how to go inside and find what we really want and go after that. And that is part of the problem with the law of attraction. Nobody said, be clear about what you really want first and then try to work with the law of attraction. No, they just said, you can have what you want. And for most people, that involves money or a job or a car or a, a relationship or some external third party that's supposed to get us to something else. And nobody told us about that when they talked about the secret or the law of attraction. But we need to know about that. And that's why I wrote the book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. Because in that book, I talk about all this and what the true law of attraction is, which we're going to talk about closer to the end of the show. But but the idea here is that um, we need to be clear on what it is the ultimate outcome goal is. What is it that I'm really looking for? If I want to become famous, even though I can't sing, and I'm going to a contest, a singing contest, then what's happening is I, there's some, some other thing that I want there that I think this false goal is going to give me. And I need to know what that is. Okay, so we're going to talk in the next uh, section about, in the next segment of the show about self-esteem a lot more, so I'm not going to go into that right now, but I do want to say this. There also is no bargain with the universe that will absolutely guarantee that after we've done A, B, and C, we will definitely have what we want. And that's part of the problem with these books, and this, the, the movie The Secret, is that it's telling us that if only we will do X, Y, and Z, then we can have what we want. The universe doesn't operate out of bargains. The universe doesn't operate out of bargains. I want to make that really, really clear. The universe doesn't operate out of if or then. It's not if you do this, then that. Everything is divine already. And if that's really true, if everything is really divine already, then why do we have to say if, then? The only truth is divinity. The only thing is oneness. The only thing that's in on planet Earth, in everything and on everything is divine nature. So why do we have to bargain for anything? It's already there. We just don't see it. All of the abundance we want is already there. We just don't see it. Why don't we see it? Because we're blinded by duality. We think we're separate from the divine. So therefore, we we don't see that all of our abundance is right there in front of us all the time. Right there. Right there. It's a quick little story I'll tell you. It was told by Clarissa Pinkola Estes, so I want to give her credit for that. About a, um, uh, and it's an old fairy tale as well, about a man who decided he was going to give all of his uh, children a mission to go out into the world and find out what they wanted. He gave them money to go do that, and um, he wanted them to have what they wanted. So he just told them all, go find what you want. He gave the first one money, and the second one money, and the third one money. And the first two went off in opposite directions. One went east, the other went west, and the other one stood there, and he kept standing there. He kept standing there, and the father says, what are you doing? Go. Go get your treasure. And the guy just kept standing there. Finally, he kneels down on the ground, and he starts digging under the ground where he's at. Right there where he's been standing, he's digging and digging and digging. The father just goes, what? I don't know what's wrong with you, and walks away. After a while of digging, the guy finds a box full of treasures. And And the moral of the story, of course, is dig where you're at. It's right here. And that's what's true about the divine nature. Everything is divine. Abundance is everything. Love is everywhere. All, everything is love and abundance all the time. We just don't see it. So why do we need a law of attraction? We're going to talk about that some more right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel
1: Are you just getting started on the path to metaphysical healing of yourself? Would you like to have some fun as you find out more? Join Julia Stubbe each week as she guides you through the Energetic Toy Box. This show will gift you the basic foundation and tools as you discover your spiritual path on a deeper level, encouraging the exploration of many facets and concepts such as chakras, healing, meditation, crystals, and more so that you can use these in your daily life. The Energetic Toy Box is here for you every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. It's a new year and a new you emerging. Join Dr. Judith Long on the Eye of the Needle show each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Dr. Long features your call-ins and emails to her that emphasize healing and new information about personal transformation and ascension. You have your own unique gift, and it's something that only you can do in your own particular way. Explore that gift. Be all that you can be. The Eye of the Needle with Dr. Judith Long airs live Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek Greater Awareness. and we're back. The authentic living show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT you can get a master's, doctorate or ministerial bachelor's degree and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a PhD, a Doctor of Ministry, or in the Holistic Theology program, you can get a THD or a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and to credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu, or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to the world. Call and get your passport today. Okay, so we're back talking about um, uh, what it is that we want and how we can go about getting that. And we said that we'd talk a little bit in this section about um, self-esteem. And I wanted to go ahead and do that before we move forward more. So self-esteem, a lot of what we've attached ourselves to in the world with regard to material things or relationships has to do with how we see ourselves. So if I'm a worthy person, then I can have a relationship that's, that is loving and kind. And if I am a worthy person, then I will have that job that I want. Or if I'm a worthy person or if I uh, am, am, am somebody that people can like and love, then I can get that CEO position or some other position like it. And we also attach to material objects in the way that uh, Neil Donald Walsh talked about. I heard him talking one time locally. He came to my city and was speaking to a large number of people. And one of the things he said was when I was 16, and I not, may not be saying it exactly like he said it, but when I was 16, I was my zits. When I was 20, I was my car. When I was 25, I was my girlfriends. When I was 30, I was the bald spot starting to appear on my, on my head. So it, 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 you know, it's that. It's that idea that we identify with various externalities. To make ourselves feel like we're okay or not okay. So if I am my zits, I'm 16 years old and I'm my zits, and I'm not going to feel okay about that. But if I'm a person first, if I'm a, if I am my essential, authentic self first, then the other stuff is not going to bother me as much. But you see, we attach ourselves to those external things, and we make that we our definition of self, and therefore. We don't know who we are as an authentic being. That's the first thing. And the second thing is we can't esteem that self because external circumstances change all the time. So our esteem plummets and rises and plummets and rises and plummets and rises. And therefore, we don't have self-esteem. So self-esteem, in order to have self-esteem, we have to have a self to esteem. We have to have connected to something real inside of ourselves and know that person And then we can respect it. But how can we respect somebody we don't even know, especially when that is attached to all these external things that can change at the drop of a hat? So we hear teachers and mothers and fathers say, I want to give my child a healthy self-esteem. Well, guess what? Sorry, bad news. You can't do that. You can't give a child self-esteem. You certainly can mirror that child. You certainly can hold up a mirror and say, did you see what you did? Are you, do, you, do you notice what you did? So for example, if a child comes to you and says, mommy, look at my artwork or teacher, look at my artwork, then you can say, I saw you over there doing that. I saw you were just working so hard. You saw working so hard. Your little tongue was sticking out the side of your mouth. I saw it. And, uh, you know, I noticed how hard you were working and look what you've done. You filled this whole paper up. Tell me about your picture. Now, what I've done when I just did that is I mirrored the child so the child knows that the child was seen doing what he was doing, he or she was doing, and you know knows that somebody noticed. And there's something to be said about when we really get mirrored authentically, we know we're here. We know we're here when other people see us. It's an external affirmation of what we're feeling inside. We think we're here inside But if nobody out there really sees us, then we're not real sure. So we look for that mirror, especially when we're young. And that is what parents and teachers can do is hold up that mirror and say, I saw what you did. I saw your little tongue sticking out because you were working so hard on that picture. And look, you filled the whole picture up. Now tell me about your picture. Instead of what we typically do, oh, that's really pretty, John or Jackie or Sally or Mary. That is so pretty. I love your picture. And we take a shot in the dark at what we think it is, right? <laughs> Look at the house, and that's not a house; that's a train. You know, we, we're guessing. We don't have to do that. We don't have to stick our necks out that way and be wrong. We can just ask the child to tell us about his picture. They want to tell us. They want to show us what they've done. But we're not asking them why, because who are they? They're just little kids. They're we don't you know, they don't know anything. They probably don't even know what they drew. That's how much respect we have for them. And guess what? That gets across to them. That's what they hear in your message of, oh, that's so pretty, and let me see that barn you made. It's not a barn. It's a train where we are showing our children that we don't respect them. And then, you know, I see people come into therapy several years later and say, my child just does not respect me at all. And I hear about what's going on in the home, and I'm thinking to myself, I wouldn't respect you either if you were my mother or my father because you're doing a lot of disrespectful things to the child. Respect is earned, and respect is a, is a given when it's a child. It's it, The child doesn't even have to earn that. The child just has to show you who they are. But from parent child to parent, the parent has to earn it because the parent is the one that the child is looking to for a mirror, how does the parent earn respect from their child? They mirror the child so the child can see who he is. So, you know, that's a sort of little brief, very brief lesson in self-esteem. Self-esteem is about having a self to esteem. Once you have the self, then it naturally carries with it a, a sense of autonomy and a self-respect that says, I'm here, I'm real, I matter. And those things are the things of self-esteem. I'm here, I'm real, I matter. And that's all we need our children to feel. And you can't give it to them. You can't praise them enough. I can tell you, and you know this for sure, you can praise your friends till the sun comes down. They don't hear you. They hear their, own, their messages in their own hands. Oh, that's a beautiful dress. Yeah, I got that at Walmart. No, wait, wait, wait. I just told you that was a beautiful dress. <laughs> and you, you just dissed it. So what's the deal here? Well, you know, I, I don't really feel pretty. I don't really feel like it's a beautiful dress. I just feel kind of frumpy today. Oh, okay. Well, see, you're telling me what you feel on the inside. I'm telling you what I see from the outside. And those are two different things. And you can't get somebody to see it differently. You can't get a child to see themselves differently. Once, you, once they, you've once you already said to them, you are not somebody I can mirror, they don't see the authentic mirrors. They see what you want them to be, and they try to become that for you. And they, don't, they lose their sense of self in the process. So... Self-esteem is not something we can give to someone else. It is something, however, that we can give ourselves, and we don't get it by attaching ourselves to externalities. We, you know, I'll, I'll give you an instance in my own life. I uh, moved to another state, and uh, it was a real unfamiliar kind of environment to me. And we had a teacher that one uh, was was taught this class called Auditorium that was supposed to teach us how to stand up on a stage and talk and You know, it was kind of a quasi-speech class. And she was going to get everybody in the class to do something, to perform in some kind of way. And I remember people did poetry, and they did pantomimes, and they did play the piano, and they did all kinds of things. Well, it finally came my turn to do something, and the only thing I knew how to do was sing. Because we sang all the time at my house. When when we went on trips, we sang in the car, we sang in the house, we sang at my grandmother's house, around the piano, we sang a lot in my house. So I knew how to sing. So I stood up there and sang a cappella, uh, somewhere over the rainbow, and the teacher was walking back to the back of the auditorium and back, coming back up to the stage. And by the time she got back up to the stage, and I had reached the end of the song, you said she said, "You have such a lovely little voice. I just loved hearing you sing," and you know went on a little bit. And somehow I believed her. I guess it was because I was already experienced in singing, and the people in my house had fairly good voices, and we could sing okay. And I, I, I think that it just got into me. I really believed her. I did, it was not something I didn't believe. And after that, uh, I, I picked up the guitar. Several years later, I picked up the guitar and I began to sing. And then I performed some. I began co- performing in coffee houses in college. And then I performed in a couple of nightclubs. And then I had children. And that was the end of that. So um, you, you, what she did for me that day was she mirrored me. She appropriately mirrored me. She noticed what I was doing. Um, and she, she, you know, she was not just saying, you know, oh, that's really nice and clapping for me. She was giving me feedback. And that's that's a good mirroring. And I used that. And I've never forgotten her compliment that day because I was really scared and nervous and shy. And uh, she was very different in that world uh, where I lived. So... Um, that's something we can definitely do, is to mirror appropriately. But if she'd been saying to me, oh, you have such a lovely voice, and here's what I heard, and this is what you did, uh, when I didn't really believe it, then it wouldn't have made any difference at all. But because I'd already had some experience with that, I believed her. And unless a child believes you, then you're not getting anywhere. It's not going anywhere. So that piece is really, really important. And and so self-esteem is one of the things we're trying to attain when we go after what we want. So we say, I want this. And my question is, how does that relate to how you see yourself? And that's what I would I would suggest to you all who as, are as listening right now. Write that down. What does this mean about how I see myself? And ask yourself that question when you start to say, I want a million dollars. I want that you know, great big old Mercedes Benz. I want that um, new relationship. I want, you know, whatever it is that you want, put that on one side of a paper, and on the other side of the paper put, what does this mean about how I see myself? Because if you can answer that question, you're going to come closer to the possibility of actually getting what you want because you probably don't really want that thing as much as you want what you think that thing will get you. So that's that's a piece of it. And the other piece is desire is a very interesting thing. We we can attach, like I said, our sense of self to all kinds of things and call it want or, or desire. It's not really that. It's need. It's desperation. It's not a, a want. It's a desire. It's I mean, it's a need. We feel like we're missing something. Therefore, we have to... Uh, get that thing we're missing in order to feel okay about ourselves. You know, I need to feel like I'm a worthy person. Therefore, if I don't get this job that I want, I'm just going to be devastated. And who am I then? Who am I if I don't get that job I want? Who Who am I if I don't get that Mercedes Benz? Who am I if I don't have a relationship in the next year? Those are good, good questions because they tell us more about what we want Then that pop-up desire that just comes right out of the blue when somebody says, listen, all you have to do is think positive and feel positive and make yourself a vision board and then you can have what you want. When somebody says that, the first thing we do is we start rubbing our little hands together and going, oh, now I'm going to get that Mercedes Benz. Now I'm going to get that million dollars. Now I'm going to get to travel all over the world. And my question is, what do you have after you've done all that? So getting clear on what, it, what you really want is the first huge big step in being able to get it. Well, you know, you're not going to get what you want if it's not the thing that's really true for your authentic self. Your authentic self is going to stand in the way. Why? Because it doesn't really want that. It wants you to have the other thing that you think you're going to get when you have that. So if you want that Mercedes Benz, but you think that's going to make you the big man in town... Then the big man in town is what you really want. And then once you have that, what have you got? Once you're the big man in town, what have you got? Well, I feel okay now. I feel safe. I'm, I'm secure in my sense of self. Oh, so if you stop being the big man in town, you won't be secure in your sense of self anymore? Well, guess what? That's not authentic self. So that whole process of, of knowing who we are, that's part of the reason why I'm doing this show in the first place. It's going to help people get to something more real than all the attachments we attach to our sense of who we are. And that's a very spiritual journey, and it's a lifelong journey. But we get closer and closer to it when we ask these difficult questions, when we're willing to self-explore and and really be honest with ourselves about what it is we think we're going to get when we have what we think we want. So I, I, I use the term think you want quite uh, generously in my life. And uh, people laugh because they say, well, you know, they think they really want it. And I say, yes, they do think they really want it. But that that doesn't mean they really want it. So we can have a conscious uh, awareness that that Mercedes-Benz is going to get me that big man in town thing. And that's all I know. And that's all I think I need to know. And I've got to have that Mercedes-Benz or else I'm just never going to get that. And then I'm never going to feel good about myself. So you can turn that the other way, too. You can say, what will happen if you don't get what you want? What's going to happen inside you then? And what does that mean about who you think you are? Those are good questions to ask, and you get closer to the truth about what you really want in your life by asking these questions. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave
1: Channel. What is spiritual spelunking? It's basically an exploration of the truth, our own unique truth. Every single person in the world has a reason to be here. Although we are told many things, it's ultimately up to us to figure it all out. The search continues throughout our entire lives. Join host Giles Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on this journey. Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
0: Tune in to Spirit Speaks every week for advice just for you that is channeled from Divine Source. Host Amiya is a spiritual teacher and guide who helps listeners actively develop their full potential. Each program includes a channeled soul reading, and is ready to discuss the teachings with you every week. Topics include a variety of religious and spiritual aspects, plus healing modalities and intuitive development of self. Spirit Speaks can be heard live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice
1: America 7th Wave Channel. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard For an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries, we'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. visionary this is the voice america seventh wave channel you're listening to authentic living with andrea matthews we want to hear from you if you have a question or comment about today's show call in now toll free one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
0: Okay, we're back. And the first thing I want to tell you is that you need to put this on your calendar. On March the 18th, we're going to be talking to Mark Nepo about his books, uh, The Endless Practice and Reduced to Joy. One's a poetry book, one's a prose book. And I'm looking very much forward to that, and I want you guys to be here for it because it's going to be a big deal, and we're real excited about having him on the show. So I want to tell you about that. But I also want to get back to our topic. So we've talked about why it is that, our, that we don't always know what we want. It's because we've attached our sense of self to uh, externalities. What I want to talk a little bit more about now is that idea that there's no bargain with the universe which will absolutely guarantee that after we've done A, B, and C, we'll definitely have what we want. I said earlier that that's because everything already is divine, and so the universe doesn't need our bargains. But the truth is that it's really hard for us to believe that because not only do we live in a duality trans state where we believe that we're separate from the divine, but all of our religions, all of our religions have perpetuated the idea. to some degree or another, that um, there is, and I'm talking religion, not philosophy. Buddhism is not a religion. It's a philosophy. So uh, when I talk about religion, what I mean is that if we pray or do the right thing or or act like good people, whatever that is, there's an if to it, then there'll be some kind of reward for it. And uh, one of the things that uh, in the Christian religion that uh, really clarifies how that works for us is the Book of Job, where Job is, uh, you know, loses everything that he has. He's got everything we would ever want, and he, we we would kill it, consider him to be a billionaire in today's terms. Um, and he loses it all in a single day, and then his his own body starts betraying him, and he gets sick, and then his wife comes along and tells him, "Why don't you just commit suicide? You know, you can't have what you want anyway. Curse God and die." So. You know, then he's got these friends that come along and they tell him, hey, you know, this is just happening because you've been bad in some kind of way. And he searches his heart and tries to find out whether or not that's true and comes up with, no, this, no, that's not why this is happening. I need to meet the Creator and I need to be able to say, why are you doing this to me? Well, the truth is, there'd been some bargain made in, 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 between God and Satan where, uh, Satan said, well, you know, he's just worshiping you because you've given him lots of good stuff. See, there's the bargain. If I'm good, then you will give me good stuff. So so Satan comes along and he says, no, let's take it all away from him, and then we'll see whether or not he continues to worship you. Well, what Job eventually finds out is the God he's had in his mind, his God image, is faulty because he believes that God is like Behemoth, the big hippo who can have whatever he wants because he's big enough to have it and and take whatever he wants because he's big enough to take it. And so, you know, that's the God he's been believing in. And this poetry that goes on between God and Satan in the last part of that is all about God saying, that's not who I am. <laughs> you got me all wrong. That's not who I am. I'm actually, you know, this other feminine part of you, what what Carl Jung would call the feminine part of you, that's receptive. I want you to be able to receive what I give you. Just be able to receive it. And, and just be in the presence of that so when you're in the presence of it, you receive it. And uh, when Job learned that, he was like, "Oh my gosh, I've I've heard about you before, but now I finally see you." And so now I'm sad for all the times in my life when I haven't really seen you. And that that is a that's a really big important book for us to really understand, because it tells us what the true law of attraction really is, and and what that has to do with is, is our own evolution into awareness. The true law of attraction is. We are attracted to and by all of those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that are going to bring us closer and closer, lifetime after lifetime, reincarnation after reincarnation, to understanding who we are as divine beings. We are one with the universe. We are one with the divine. We are one with the creator. However you want to say that, we are one with everything. And there is nothing we do not have. One of the statements, again, in the Christian Bible, and this time from the Old Testament, is uh, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. And that's, the divine is talking, but the divine, he, he's doing it through the psalmist. And so, the idea is that the psalmist that is, can also say the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. So, there's nothing we don't have. There's, we have everything. I'm connected to you, and you're connected to me, and that Mercedes Benz you're driving, well, guess what? It's mine, too. You're paying the bill, thank you very much, but it's mine too. Because why? Because we're all one. There's nothing you have that isn't also mine. There's nothing I have that isn't also yours. So anytime that I am growing and evolving, I'm also on some maybe subliminal level offering you that same kind of awakening. And that's why this whole process of evolution is so important because the more people know The more people there are who know who they are as divine beings, the more the world evolves completely toward that so that we all one day eventually know who we are as divine beings. And that is what the law of attraction is all about. It's not here to get you a a, a Mercedes Benz. I'm sorry. It's not here to get you to win the lottery. Sorry about that. And the truth is you don't have to attract anything because you already have it. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. It's all in here. Everything you want and need and I'm not just talking about your emotions I'm talking about manifestations material things everything you want and need is already available to you because you're already one with it you don't have to work it you don't have to you know get do a, a vision board and keep your mind positive at all times and keep your heart positive at all times first place that's very very unhealthy because anytime we're trying to think all the time positive so uh, so that the gods will be good to us we're also what, uh, repressing a whole lot of stuff we consider to be negative. But here's the thing. There is nothing negative, and there is nothing positive. There's nothing evil, and there's nothing good. It's all one. It's all divine because it's all in divine order, and it's all uh, we're all one with all of it. We have labeled things that way, and we certainly do act in ways that, that look pretty evil because we don't know who we are. If we knew who we are, we wouldn't need, even need to do that. We wouldn't even think about doing that. It wouldn't even be in anywhere on the radar screen in our consciousness because we would know who we are. And that's all that really, really counts in terms of feeling peaceful as we walk this planet is knowing who we are. And I'm not talking about guessing who we are. I'm talking about knowing who we are. So I have lots and lots of clients who come into my office and they say, I'll ask them a question about how they feel about something or how they react to something. And they go, I don't know. I want to know, if you don't know what's going on inside you, who is supposed to know that? Who's supposed to know what goes on inside you if you don't know it? Who's responsible for what goes on inside you if it's not you? So, this whole thing of not knowing is, has been okay with us for centuries and centuries and centuries. It's been okay with us not to know what's been going on inside of us. We've been, uh, we've been okay with that. We've been saying... Well, I don't need to know. That's just one of those mysteries I, I, can, I have to live with. But I, by golly, need to know whether or not I'm going to get that house or that car or those children or that relationship. i got to know that. But I don't have to know what goes on inside me. Do you see how backwards that is? It's completely backwards. We need to know what goes on inside of us, period. That's it. That's all we need to know. And the rest comes to us just because we already know that. Why? Because when we know who we are, we also know that we already have everything. We already have it. We don't even have to work for it. It's already ours. And the path, now, here's what I'm not saying. I want to be clear about that. I'm not saying you don't have to work for anything. You just sit around and do nothing, and everything's just going to come your way. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is we will effortlessly use the effortless effort to get what what is really ours because we'll be on that path of divine order, and we will have what is ours to have. There's nobody who can keep me from having what's mine except me. And the only way I do that is to stay blind to the fact that I already have it. So this whole thing about the law of attraction makes the assumption that there's a gap between what I want and who I am. And there is no gap like that except in our consciousness. In the reality, there is no gap between who I am and what I want. But in in my conscious experience, there is a gap because I don't know this. I don't know who I am and I don't know what it is I want. And I believe that there's a big gap between having, you know, what I, what I actually want. So if I want a car, the car's out there somewhere, and I have to go out there and find a way to get it. And usually I have to get some third party in the middle, like money, to be able to get it. But if I really, truly do believe that that car really is already mine, then I'll walk an effortless path with effortless effort to get it. It will be a work. But it won't be an effortful work. It won't be something I'm striving after and trying to work hard for and, you know, thinking I can't have. It'll be something that I already have, and I'll just go get it. So that's what's wrong with the law of attraction. And there's one other thing that's wrong with the law of attraction. It makes the assumption that, um, that, you know, we have to do this work. And it makes the assumption that if we don't do this work, we won't have what we want. And that's a real um, hard thing to swallow. You do this work, and then you can have what you want. And, And so we do the work, and so we expect the results. But we don't get them. And then we start thinking, there's something wrong with me. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. We don't need to be teaching that. We don't need to be perpetuating that myth. It's a myth. And while I can tell you there are plenty of people out there who will swear by the secret and the law of attraction, and they will tell you, and they'll fight with you. (laughs) I promise you they will fight with you. They will swear by it and just be, you know, say, oh, you just don't know what you're talking about, Andrea, because, you know, I'm working this law of attraction. I'm going to have what I want. And they don't ask themselves the questions I've recommended before. What's this going to mean to you if you get it? What's it going to mean to you if you don't get it? What's it going to mean about you? And uh, so, you know, and the people that really have been able to attain something, what I say is that was on their path to attain anyway, whether they worked the law of attraction or not. And so they were going to have it either way. They just happened to be working the law of attraction when they effortlessly stumbled into it. I've had jobs that, that were not so great. I've had relationships that were not so great. I've had cars that were not so great. I've had houses that were not so great. But every one of them gave me some other gift. Every one of them gave me some other gift that I would not have without them. And that is what we're really looking for. So what we think we want, if we know truly know who we are, that might change tremendously. It might change tremendously to suddenly become aware of of who we are then we might our desires might just change entirely but we don't, we don't we don't want to spend a whole lot of time trying to find that out and i'm going to tell you it's work it's effortless work there is a process that goes with it that is in divine order but it is work and that and you're going to walk into stuff that's not easy and you're going to encounter people that are not easy. And you're going to encounter situations that are difficult. But every one of them have a gift for you. And if you go looking for the gift, you're going to have what you want all the time. Even in the midst of those circumstances. Because it is not the externals that give us what, what we want. And they do not define us. They absolutely do not define us. But they do help us to see who we are. And, those, and, and that's the whole point of the real, true law of attraction, which is, again, we're attracted to and by all of those things, people, situations, circumstances, events that are going to bring us closer and closer to full awareness of who we are as divine beings. Lifetime after lifetime, reincarnation after reincarnation. So that, you know, I'm, I'm going to get whatever it is I came to get in this lifetime, and then I'll use that. And I'll come back into another lifetime, and I'll get whatever I'm supposed to get in that lifetime. And then I'll move on to another uh, situation and have what I want that time. And I'm going to be able to get these things that I, that I want by as I go because I am evolving closer and closer to who I am as a divine being. That's the whole point. When you look back at your life after it's all over, you're not going to say, well, boy, I collected a lot of houses and cars, and aren't I great? You're going to say, was I really alive? Was I really here? Did I know myself? I missed out on, did I miss out on all the things that are real just to have the things that aren't? So there's nothing wrong with material things in and of themselves, but they have a purpose. And the purpose isn't to make you into a big guy on the block. It isn't to make you have self-esteem. It isn't to uh, fulfill your internal character. It is to give you a gift so that you will take that gift with you as you continue on your journey to finding out who you are. So that's all we got for today. We'll be back again next week, and remember to put it on your calendar. We've got Mark Nepo coming on uh, March the 18th, so you want to be here for that. He's going to be talking about uh, the endless practice and reduced to joy. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.